We have been in a series uh, in the book of Acts. We're going to continue that series, um, but we kind of have two series moving in parallel, if you will, uh, because we're going through Acts just chapter by chapter each Sunday, um, but uh, we're starting a new topical series starting today, uh, and it's called God Chasers Part 1. I don't know if anyone here has ever read that book. It came out about, I don't know, 15 years ago. Anyone here read that book, God Chasers by Tommy Tenney? Uh, I love that book. I haven't read it in over 10 years, but while I was preparing this message, it just that, that title came to my mind, and uh, I just thought, I think that's the vein we need to jump into for a little while. So let's just dive right into it. Here's the setting that's going on. Uh, if you were here, uh, not last Sunday, but the Sunday before that, I, I talked about um, what was taking place in chapter 6, and, and what was happening is there was a guy in the, in the church, his name was Stephen. He wasn't one of the disciples that did the preaching. Uh, he was actually just a guy in the church who had a great walk with God. He had spiritual gifts. He could prophesy. There was, he did some healing. He was just a very powerful, powerful guy in the church. Well, anyway, there were some rulers in Jerusalem that were very upset with him because he kept on teaching about Jesus. They were not happy about people getting healed. So they called him into what we would call the courthouse. Uh, it was actually a synagogue, and they, they called him in, and they began to judge him. And uh, he began to give his testimony, his side of the story, because um, he was trying to save his own life, if you will, because they were going to stone him and kill him. And uh, so he began to defend himself. And in chapter 7, for the first 45 verses of that chapter, he's defending himself. And it's a very impassioned defense. And, uh, and when he finished, and that's where I want to pick up in Acts chapter 7, verse 54 reads like this, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fist at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at their feet of the young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord, Receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. You know, Stephen died that day and it was a very um, sad day for that church. And even 2,000 years later, as we look back, it's just a little heartbreaking to see uh, Stephen lose his life as he was trying to preach the name of Jesus Christ. You know, that's happening still today. It's happening still today. If you, I don't care what your favorite news station is, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, you have heard of the 30 Christians that were captured by ISIS and beheaded. Uh, I just want to let you know that Jesus is coming back very, very, very soon. He's coming back very soon. 
coming back very soon. If you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the church world, let me explain to you in a very elementary way uh, what I am trying to say. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down and he gave his life for you and I. He hung on a cross and he paid the price of all of our sins. They put him in a grave and on the third day he rose again. And he said, I'm coming back. But the next time he comes back, uh, the Bible says that the believers will meet him in the air. And everybody that has died before us that believed in him will also meet him in the air. We will all meet in the air as one big happy family. And he gave in Matthew chapter 24 a whole bunch of signs, a whole bunch of indications of when he was going to do that. And for the first time in history, you can put a check mark next to every single sign. Now, let me share this with you. There's always been, ever since Jesus left, a handful of those signs that you could say, well, this is happening. In fact, you could say some of those have been happening for 2,000 years. But never, ever, ever before has all of them been happening at the same time. I want to let you know, hell, it knows that its time is coming to an end. The intensity of the battle is increasing. It's so hot and heavy, even in the United States of America, in a very different way. We're seeing the cold hearts start to populate. And what do I mean by that? It says in Matthew 24 that one of the signs, one of the indicators, right before Jesus comes back, is the love of many will grow cold. Does anybody know somebody who used to be really passionate about God? They used to be passionate about church, but they're not anymore. Does anybody know anyone like that? That's an indication. And and it just says towards the right before Jesus comes back, that's going to be happening all the time. That people's heart is going to grow cold. And, And you and I, not only do we need to fight to keep our own hearts on fire. And I want to tell you, fight. You just heard my wife come up here and say, man, I didn't even feel like coming to church this morning. And boy, did that make me feel good. (laughs) But we got to fight to keep our spirit on fire. We got to fight. It's not easy. You don't just wake up in the morning going, ah, I feel like dancing. No, you got to fight. You got to keep it going. You got to come on, put your hands together. You got to keep it going. Even the Apostle Paul said, he goes, I feel my spirit, my flesh warring against each other. You know, we got that same war. We got to fight. And and the people who fight, I want to call them for the next few weeks, God chasers. They're God chasers. And, And the term God chasers comes out of this scripture. It's found in Philippians chapter 3. And it speaks like this in, in the New King James Version. I believe it's around verses 13, 14. Don't look it up now. Read it when you get home. Just write it on your notes right now and then you can look it up later. But let me just get your attention real quick. It, it reads like this. Paul says, Oh, that I may apprehend that which is apprehended me. Now, the word apprehend means to take hold of. And so what he's saying is something has taken hold of me. Something has a grip on me. And I'm going to say he was talking about God. He's saying God has a hold of me. He's got a grip on me. He's got a grip on my heart. And and I want to tell you, many of you in this room... You know exactly what he's talking about because God has apprehended you as well. 
Maybe you've gone through a season where you say, man, church isn't for me. I'm not going to go to church anymore. And while you're on this hiatus, maybe it was a few weeks, a few months, maybe it's 10 years, you couldn't get church out of your mind. You couldn't get Jesus out of your mind. It's always in the back of your mind. It's in the bottom of your heart. What's happening? He's got a hold of you. He's not letting you go. You, you can't do things that other people do that are sinful and not feel bad. You feel bad. You, somebody cusses you out. You cuss them out. You walk away. You feel bad. Why? God's got a hold of you. You can't do what other people do. Why? God's got a hold of you. Have you ever had a mean person be mean to you and then you're going to be mean back, but you can't outmean them? Does that make sense? Why can't you outmean them? Because God's got a hold of you. You you can't be mean as good as they can. They're better at being mean. They're better at being a jerk. They they curse. I I remember <laughs> one time I heard this person say to another person, "You need to stop cussing. You don't cuss very good." <laughs> it doesn't even sound right, you know? Doesn't even sound right when you do it. You don't even you don't even sin good. <laughs> You know, what, what does that mean? It's got a hold of you. I know some of you, when people look at you, they, they see a, a cold person or a hard person and they think that you're not close with God because you don't act like them. Well, here's the reality. They don't know it. You know it. You're very close with the Lord. You got a fear of God on your life. You want to please Him. It's important to please Him. You don't like being far from Him. Nobody knows that about you. You know it right here. You know it right here. It's very important to please Him. What's going on? He's apprehended you. He's got a hold of you. And this is what Paul is saying. He's going, oh, that I may apprehend that which is apprehended me. Something has a hold of me. I want to have a hold of you. You know how I think. I want to know how you think. You know when I sit down. I want to know when you sit down. You know when I stand up. I want to know when you stand up. You know what I like. You know what I don't like. You know what I'm concerned about. I want to know what you don't like. I want to know what you do like. I want to know what you're concerned about. I want to apprehend you too. That's a God chaser. Are there any God chasers in here? Come on. That's a God chaser. It's a person who's relentless. You know, until you answer that call to be relentlessly in pursuit, you'll find that your life just doesn't click like it should. I remember, I'm a preacher's kid. I was born and raised in the church. I used to crawl underneath the rows. I used to try to crawl all the way to the back and then crawl all the way to the front without my mom knowing. And boy, when she caught me, I wish I could whistle. Somebody whistle for me. That meant a beating, 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 beating. My, my parents would get thrown in jail if they did today what they did back then. Anybody raised like that? Oh, my goodness. My goodness. I re distinctly remember uh, my father saying something along the lines of, you want to call the police on me? Call them up. Call them up. Go ahead and call them up. And then when you come back home, I'm going to beat you again. 
Oh, you want to call the cops? I got some for you. Uh, and, and so uh, before you send any emails, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying that's how I was raised. That's just what happened. And so um, the, the reality is I grew up in church, and, and I, I remember around 16, 17 years old, up to my freshman year in college, I was like, man, I don't know that church is for me anymore. I've had this shoved down my throat. Everybody's heard somebody say that. I've had this shoved down my throat. And so I start looking around, and I went... Uh, I got my driver's license, and I'm going to go find out what the world has to offer. I got 21 different jobs between the ages of 16 and 18 or 19. 21. 21. If I'm lying, that means it was 25. I have lost count how many jobs I had. I have worked at every single restaurant in Beaumont. I have worked at Chili's, Bennigan's, you name it, Casole. I've worked at Carabas. I've worked everywhere. I remember opening up my trunk to get an apron out and not knowing which apron I'm supposed to grab. I remember, I distinctly remember seeing four aprons right there. I have worked at every single restaurant. You say, why so many restaurants? They are so picky about showing Showing up when your name is on the schedule. The boss would call me in and I'd just go, you don't need to call me in. I've been in so many times. I know what's coming. Thank you for your time. I got fired from Wood Forest Bank three days after I started working at Wood Forest Bank and showed back up to get my check. What's funny is our church took out a loan at Wood Forest Bank. (laughs) That was awkward. I was like, boy, I don't know if I should be in here. (laughs) But within three years, Wood Forest Bank and a hundred other restaurants. And you say, what was wrong with you? I just want to let you know in that season of my life of... I'm tired of the church getting shoved down my throat. And I'm on this campaign. Nothing clicked. Nothing square peg round hole square peg round hole there was no hand in glove it was like putting my foot in a glove nothing now everything looked well I had a lot of hair it was curly it hung down I used to put so much mousse it was like a pile I'd rub it together I'd slap it back and forth I went to this club called Rocky Octanes and would just go have fun nothing in my life was going well and I was walking around this bar at one o'clock in the morning is called the handlebar on highway 365 in Nederland. And I was walking around. It was like one or two o'clock in the morning. And I said, okay, okay, I'm done. And I'm in. And tears filled my eyes. And that's when a God chasing attitude kicked in. And I just want to let you know, I know some of you here have said the same prayer. I'm done. I'm in. I'm going to be a God chaser. God chasing has four characteristics. Uh, Number, uh, let me just kind of drill it in your head. They're determined. They're wise. They pray. And they have compassion. They're determined. They're wise. They pray. And they have compassion. Let's say those four things together. Are you ready? They're determined. All right, now everybody, they're determined, they're wise, they pray, they have compassion. One last time, they're determined, 
They're wise, they pray, and they have compassion. What do I mean by determined? Stephen is looking death in the face, and he's saying, if there's one thing that I'm going to be good at, I'm going to die doing this. I'm going to die doing this. And here's the, uh, there's something, there's two things about being determined. Number one is we got to be determined to not take a step without the presence of God. Not take a step. Moses made the same statement. Can we give her something else that's distracting me? I'm so sorry. All right, thank you. Um, there's, there's this um, mentality that a God chaser has. It's just like, I, I can't take another step. Here's Moses. Moses was leaving a million, leading a million people in the desert. Over a million. And he says to God, God... Don't let me leave this spot. Don't let me leave this spot until your presence goes with me and before me. That is the God chaser. Have you ever woke up and you're awake, it's time to go to work, and your eyes are not opened yet, and you're laying there, and you're kind of going through your day, you're awake. Nobody would, could tell you're awake because your eyes are still closed, but you're, you're awake. And I want us to just reach the point as a God chaser, God, I don't even want to get out of this Bed. I don't even want to get out of this bed until I know that you're with me. I don't want to move. I don't want to leave this house. I don't want to get in my car. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to a meeting. I don't even want to eat breakfast unless I know that your presence is with me. There's a determination and there's a reliance of I have got to have the presence of God. And I just want to let you know the presence of God is always around you. So it's not a matter of whether or not God is with you. The, ma- the, the issue is whether or not you are engaging with the presence of God. The other thing that a, a, a God chaser does in the mindset of determination is we pray with determination. Hannah, uh, there's this uh, lady named Hannah. She had everything. She had a husband. She had a house. She had income. But she wanted a baby. Uh, She wanted a baby and she went to the church and she cried and she cried, dear God, I want a baby. Her womb was closed. She couldn't have a baby and she would cry, I want a baby. Now somebody could walk up to her and say, Hannah, so you don't have a baby, but you have a great husband, but I want a baby, but you have a great job. Just settle down, but I want a baby, but you have great health. You should be happy about that. I am, but I want a baby. Have you ever wanted something so bad, so bad that it can't be replaced by anything else? I want a baby. The preacher, Eli, came walking in and caught her praying and she had been crying out to God for so long and now she's tired and she's just, she's She's saying prayers, but no voice is coming out. I've been there before. I know many of you have too. You just, you just don't even have the energy. You don't even have the strength to pray. You want to stop because you're exhausted, but you know you have no other options. So you keep on praying. The Bible says in, in due season, she had that baby. 
There's a very important scripture all of us have got to write down, memorize, keep it on the front of our heart. And it's found in in, uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It reads like this. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know how long due season is? Due season could be a few days. Due season could be a few weeks. Due season could be a few years. Due season could be a decade. We don't know how long due season is. And that's the difference between somebody who talks, somebody who shows up at church, and a God chaser. A God chaser has the determination of, look, I am going to pray, and I am going to ask, and I am going to worship, and I am going to praise, and I don't know how long this is going to take, but... But here's the deal. Either one or two things are going to happen. Either God's going to give me what I'm asking for in due season, or I'm going to pray for the next 40 years of my time here on earth. And when I get to heaven, we can talk about it. And when I get to heaven, it won't matter anyways. But I am going to talk about it for 40 years or I'm going to get it in due season. Either way, a God chaser has the determination to grit their teeth and to pray. They got a a vertebrae of steel. That's a God chaser. There's not a lot of, of God chasers. It's not a lot of God chasers. You know why? Because hell serves up a a, a cocktail mix of discouragement every single morning to all of us. And we look around and we think to ourselves, what do I really think is going to happen? Do I really think God is all of a sudden going to intervene in my life and change things around? Let me say this as your pastor. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely! Absolutely! That's exactly, that is exactly, that is exactly what's going to happen. He's going to step into your life and he's going to rearrange things in so in such a smooth manner that usually we don't even notice he's doing it. Then we get back and we turn around and go, I forgot I had that problem. Yes, but that's a God chaser. God chasers are not only determined, but they're wise. They're wise, not aimless. They're, they're wise. There's a particular passage in the Bible where Jesus is teaching and he talks about how the, the rain and the wind and the flood hit two different kinds of houses. He he talks about how it hits two different kinds of houses. And in one house, the only thing that's different is the foundation of the houses. They look the same. Everything's the same. But the foundation is different. And, And the foundation of one of them is sand. And when the rain and when the flood and when the wind comes, it knocks it down. But the other house, because it was built on a rock, when the rain and when the flood and, 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 and when the, uh, the wind comes, it can handle it. And Jesus says, the house that's built on rock, they're the ones that takes what they've heard and they live by it. See, there's a difference between listening to it and living by it. There's a big difference. I just want to let you know, Satan shows up to churches across America every Sunday morning. So coming to church does not make the difference. That's right. The difference is I'm in. I'm chasing. I'm all in. 
And he goes, that's the difference. He goes, the, the ones that do that, they're, they're, they're house. A God chaser is a person that lives their life with godly principles. That's what frustrates us about politicians, isn't it? It's just like, what do you believe? What will you believe yesterday, today, and tomorrow? What will you believe six months from now? What will you believe a year from now? Because the situations are going to change all the time. We got to believe what we believe regardless of what the situation is, right? It's called a principled base person. And that's what God is saying. He goes, if, if you believe what I'm telling you to believe, your life, it can handle it. But what's interesting is that wind rain and flood happen to both houses it happens to christian houses and non-christian houses it happens to families that love god and families that don't care about god either way the wind the rain and the flood it's coming to both houses the only difference is is one after the storm will still be standing and the other one will be shattered. You know, I was thinking about the wind and the rain and the flood. I was thinking to myself, rain is kind of like a problem that's just always there. Have you ever stood in the rain? It's like, for me, it's like really annoying. But it's like, and when I think about the rain, it's like having a problem or a stress on a scale one to 10, it's always a seven. It's never an eight. It's never a six. It's always a seven. It's like this steady da 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 da. It's like work is always the same stress level. Your boss is never more of a jerk or less of a jerk each day. He's always the same level jerk. Are you with me? That's like a steady, a steady uh, uh, rain. That's like rain. But then there's like a uh, there's like a flood, where it seems to be getting worse every time you turn around. And then there's. The wind where it's like, where did that happen? Everything was going good. A marriage has been married for 17 years and all of a sudden, what just happened? I think about Enron. Enron was one of the strongest companies that we knew of in the country. And all of a sudden, what just happened? You know what the Bible says? That is going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen to all of us. But to be able to get through that, to be able to back up and say, look, here's the deal. I didn't see it coming. But when I wake up every morning, I'm a God chaser. I pursue God and I know at the end of the day he's going to take care of me. Those people, and when the storm comes and the rain comes, it's going to be there. And I just want to say, and this is so important, that in these last days before Jesus comes, it's getting more and more heightened. Evil is getting more and more present. It's getting more present. The kids in middle school that have no Christian base, their mouths are more filthy than ever before. Do you know I learned about, uh, I'm, I'm in a vein right now, my consciousness says don't go here, but I'm in a vein right now. Well, I learned everything about sex education in the sixth grade at Cunningham Middle School in the locker room. These kids are learning it in the third grade. They're learning it in the second grade. 
My kids come home and tell me things that I don't even know. Any parents can wave your hand at me on that? They ask me questions, I'm like, ask your mom. (laughs) I have no idea. Have you ever made eyes to somebody that you don't know? That evil is getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But the exciting news is, is that God is looking for faithful people that he can show his strength in their life. He's looking for faithful people. This is a war. This is a war. And he is looking for people to recruit in a way that he never has before. And that's why point number three is that God chasers pray. They're wise, they're determined, but they pray. But they don't just pray every once in a while. First Thessalonians 5.17, they're always praying. Always in the back of your mind, in your heart, walking down the hall, vacuuming in the house, doing the dishes. I was doing the dishes the other day, and, and, and uh, I put all the dishes. One of the things that I hate about doing the dishes is doing the dishes, but... <laughs> One of the things I hate about doing the dishes is that you're supposed to wash the dishes before you put it in the dishwasher to wash the dishes. (laughs) Will one of you guys that are smarter than me who is an entrepreneur please design a dishwasher that washes dishes without my help? Please, somebody? I mean, my goodness. We can create phones that look like the Jetsons phones, but we can't make a dishwasher to wash dishes. Oh, that felt so good. Thank you. Gosh, that felt so good. This, I feel like I'm just having therapy right now. But I, I reached back into the dishwasher. I was loading the dishwasher, and I saw a fork that had some food on it that was, like, rather hard. And I thought to myself, that dishwasher can't get that off. So I pulled out the fork, and I started scrubbing it. And then I went to put it back, and it wasn't quite clean yet. So I started scrubbing it some more, and I said the prayer, God, don't let anything stick to my heart the way this food is sticking to this fork that's what i'm talking about we pray all the time all the time all the time you're driving down the street and you see wind blowing and you see a tree moving you say god i want your spirit just to blow on me just like it's blowing like wind is blowing on that tree when somebody gets and cuts you off you say god that's what i want you to do the next time the enemy wants to come to my house i want you to just cut it off just like everything is a prayer now you don't have to be oversaved and talk about it out loud. You ever meet an oversaved person? <laughs> oversaved. They're saved, but they're like oversaved. It's like, you know it because it's like, man, I lost my keys. And they're like, as long as you don't lose your soul. It's like, <laughs> oversaved. You get into an elevator and say, I'm going down. How far down are you going? Go, Jesus. We got an oversaved one. I just let's just be saved. Let's not be oversaved. Right? <laughs> Does anyone here know an oversaved person? If you don't know an oversaved, you are the oversaved. <laughs> just so you know. Somebody who loves you needs to tell you that. To pray and to pray passionately. That's a, that's a God chaser. That's a, and I just want to say, your victory depends on your prayer life. It depends on it. Your victory depends on your prayer life. It depends on it. Um, you know, I want to share a verse with you in Revelations chapter 5, verse 8. This is a very important verse. 
Would you just read it to yourself? Let me read it out loud. This is a scene that was happening in heaven. John the Revelator wrote down what he was seeing. And just read it to yourself. It sounds like this. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. They fell down before Jesus. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense which are the prayers of God's people. I'm up here telling you that God chasers, they pray. But let me just point out how special those prayers are. There is an angel that has been following you around your entire life and has captured every prayer that you prayed the minute it came off your lips and has kept it in a gold bowl. And at some point in time, probably while we're sleeping, it comes into the presence of God. And you say, why while we're sleeping? That's not in the Bible. But that bowl has got to follow you around every minute of your day. But when it is in the presence of God, your prayers are like sweet incense before the Lord. Do you know that there are prayers that you don't even remember you prayed that have been placed in that gold bowl every every prayer you've prayed the one sentence prayers the cries for help those prayers when you thought nobody was listening the prayers that got an immediate yes the prayers that got a delayed yes the prayers that you still haven't gotten an answer back yet the prayers that you you feel like you got to know from every single prayer is so incredibly precious that God has ordained and assigned an angel to follow you around and to put them in a bowl. And you may have this question in the back of your mind. Well, why didn't I get a yes and he gave me a no seven years ago? I don't know the answer to that question. One day we may find out, but this is what we do know. Every word that comes out of your lips is so precious to God that he receives it and places it into a gold bowl and keeps it forever. And it smells like sweet incense. I need to take a sidebar. Do you know why I ask you all the time to bring somebody to church? Because you have people in your life that have got to hear this. Because their soul and their heart is dying. And they need to be reminded that God loves them so much. That every word that they've ever said in their life is like a sweet incense aroma to him. But he loves you even way more than that. Look at this next verse right here. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. There's an angel that walks around with a vial. And he catches every single tear. All the tears that you cried while you were alone. Those are the hottest tears, aren't they? I've cried those tears. The tears that are soaked with confusion and frustration and hurt. Every single one, every one, whether you tried to wipe them off your face with a Kleenex or you allowed them to just roll down and dry on your cheek, I just want you to know, 
it was caught. You know what's so wonderful? When you were just a baby, just a little baby, your biggest problem in the world was you wanted your bottle. Do you know that that tear at that moment, because it was such a big deal to you, it was a big deal to God, that tear that you don't even remember you cried is in a vial. And you know what I didn't catch until the first service? Put that scripture back on there for me, Brian. You have kept track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. So not only has he caught your tears, but he's got a journal. A journal of every sad moment you've ever had. That is a God who loves you. And you say, oh, I've sinned so much. Uh, I, I I think he's willing to overlook your sins because you have prayed so much. Well, I haven't prayed a lot. Well, the amount that you have has been saved. A God chaser is bent on filling up the bowl. When you get to heaven, you want that bowl overflowing it's a God chaser and the last and final point is a God chaser is compassionate did you notice what Stephen said he said oh dear God please forgive the people that are stoning me did you wow are you kidding you For those of you that just met me today, you can already tell. You hit me in the head with a rock, we're going to have problems, you and I. He had a whole group of people throwing rocks at him. And in the middle of it all, his compassion was so high. He said, God, don't judge them for this. They don't even know what they're doing. Oh, my goodness. And so let's just connect some dots here. You remember at the beginning of the message, I talked about how Stephen would walk around and he would pray for people and they'd be healed. He would give them a prophetic word, sometimes about their past, present, or future that would encourage them. He had these gifts that he operated in that were able to encourage the people around him. You know what the Bible says about that? It says that these kind of signs will follow those who believe. It doesn't say it's going to follow preachers or pastors or evangelists or only people like Ivan Tate. He's talking about us, you guys. But the deciding factor on whether or not those kind of gifts operate in a person's life hinges on the fact of whether or not compassion is present in their life. Because the gifts are given for the strengthening of the body. And so when a person like Stephen cares about other people to that degree God gives you a gift to care better Jesus walked into a town and the Bible says that he was moved by compassion and then healed many people see a God chaser is cultivating compassion 
What do I mean by cultivating? We live in a society, in a world, and we're stuck with this flesh that it is so easy to be selfish. A what have you done for me lately world. It's so easy. And when we come before God and we say, God, I don't want to be that person. I want to be a person that cares. I want to be a person that calls somebody up and says, how you doing? I want to be a person who prays for other people when I'm praying. It's not just about me and mine. I want to be a person that rings the doorbell and says, hey, I'm going to church tomorrow. I'll pick you up if you need a ride. I want to be a person that while I'm praying, I'm praying for people. That's compassion. We're cultivating it. We're cultivating it. We're making it happen. That's a God chaser. Is that everybody? No, I'm talking about God chasers. You say, well, I don't know if I'm a God chaser. Let me help you decide that right now. Does anything I'm talking about sound attractive to you? That's God pulling you. The Bible says no man comes to the Father unless drawn by the Son. Does it sound attractive to you? For the last 32 minutes that I've been talking, has there been anything at all on those four points of being determined and wise and praying and compassionate? Is there anything that makes you go? I think you're talking to me. It's not everybody in this room. Some people in this room, this message is just not for you. Come back next week. I might have a message that's for you. But for a God chaser... Someone that's being called to be a God chaser, this message is for you. You're just not, here's the key. I'm going to preach this. I shouldn't even be talking about it right now because this is called a half-baked sermon because I'm cooking it for another day. But there are people that are God chasers that are constantly in a state of dissatisfaction. You just don't have enough of God. You can't hear enough of God. You're dissatisfied. You love them, but you just want more of them, so you're dissatisfied. That dissatisfaction is an earmark of a God chaser. It's an earmark of a God chaser. All God chasers are frustrated. Because they want more. What do they want more of? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. 